0: Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. I was wondering if we could talk a bit about adversarial networks.
1: Well, we haven't done that in, I'm checking my watch here, like three or four months. So it's been a lifetime. Yeah, let's do Your it. Your watch does months? It doesn't. No. <laughs> you can call my bluff.
0: <laughs> you are listening to Linear Digressions.
1: So we've talked about adversarial examples a few times on here in the last couple of years since they kind of took the scene by storm want to start with a quick recap
0: yeah i i remember one example that we talked about i, I think we talked about it where where you could trick uh, a model that was looking for stop signs as an example into thinking that it was looking at something completely different not a stop sign uh just by shifting a couple pixels so to a human if you look at the before and the after they're basically identical. They're both clearly pictures of stop signs, but to this, uh, model, one looks like a stop sign with 99% accuracy and the other looks like something else with 99% accuracy. And, um, I also remember we were kind of talking about like, why does this happen? We don't exactly know. And how do we make ML models that are resistant to this? We don't really know.
1: Yeah, good recap. So a couple things that you mentioned there that I'll pull on a little bit. So number one, the idea of adversarial examples, like these images that you perturb by just a little bit, it still looks like the stop sign, but now your algorithm is saying with very high confidence that it's a drum set. I don't know. (laughs) Um, That was, I think, not something that was very widely theorized, to exist. Uh, it's a little bit more of an empirical result, like people started playing around with the idea of trying to trick neural nets and, and found out that it was kind of easier than anybody expected. I found these examples of adversarial examples, these cases where the, you know, the classification looks clearly wrong to us as humans, but nonetheless, the machines disagree with us. And moreover, because this started more as an empirical result than as a theoretically motivated uh, example a lot of people in the last couple of years have been trying very hard to understand why this is because it seems very very strange and counterintuitive like what is going on here and how can we study these kinds of these kinds of models or these kinds of examples to understand what's driving that kind of behavior and potentially to to guard against them too cuz as we've talked about in some of our other episodes If you have a model that's vulnerable to adversarial examples, then it it can be pretty dangerous depending on what the model is being used for.
0: Yeah, I guess the stop sign example is a very dangerous example if you can trick a self-driving car algorithm to not stop at stop signs. Exactly. Especially if it's a sticker you can put over the stop sign or something like that, like affect the stop sign in the real world in some way, and, uh, and then maybe you can trick a model.
1: Yeah, yeah. So none of us want to live in a world in which our self-driving car can be tricked into thinking that a stop sign is actually a sign that says speed limit 120 miles an hour. Speed up, yeah. yeah, Faster, Uh, please. Exactly. So there are a couple of um, cool papers that I've read rather recently that are unpacking pieces of this. This is just a little little nibble of what all I think is going on in this research space, but I think it's pretty interesting nonetheless and is um, maybe starting to give us some hints about what might be going on. So we'll have links to a couple of these papers on LinearDigressions.com. As always, you can go check them out there. They are pretty cool. But the first one is a paper from a group that I think is based out of MIT. The title of the paper is Robustness May Be at Odds with Accuracy. And so this is the first place where I think we could do a little bit of exploring
0: okay so robustness and accuracy robustness is resistance to I, I guess the ability to <laughs> to be robust about, against tampering and uh, accuracy is how good your model is at doing what it's doing and um, I I don't know I guess my my gut says sure if you want to make something more robust I, then I I don't know maybe they may be at odds with each other but I can't for the life of me, think of any reason why that would be the case.
1: Yeah. So usually we as machine learning folks, one of our standard things that we optimize for would be the accuracy of the algorithm. Like how often does it get the stop sign label correct? And usually we want algorithms that are as accurate as possible for obvious reasons, I would think. But this paper kind of revisits the assumption that models that are robust are necessarily models that are very accurate and it's been generally accepted i think for for some time that models that are robust to adversarial examples you have to pay for that robustness in some way so mm. it might be that you have to train them with more data you give them more examples that they see of stop signs and then they learn better somehow what a stop sign is that makes them robust or maybe there are mechanisms within the algorithms that are testing for how robust the algorithm is to like perturbations in your data as you're training it. So that would be an example of um, maybe you don't need more raw data, but the algorithm is slower to train because you're doing all of these perturbations as you're going. So you have to pay a price somewhere for robust algorithms. Most people seem to think that that's that's probably a fair uh, expectation, but it is a little bit counterintuitive to think that you can have a model that is as accurate as possible, or a model that is robust against adversaries, but perhaps not both. And that is what this paper is exploring.
0: Okay, so I hear that. But I guess, like, why exactly does it work that way? Like, why do we have that trade-off? Yeah, Or do we, do we even know?
1: Question. Yeah, and I think <laughs> this starts to get into the second paper that I want to cover here, um, too. Which, so we'll get that there in just a second. But here's a thought experiment that you can do. Imagine that your algorithm has 100 features in it, and one of them is very strongly correlated or moderately strongly correlated, let's say like 80% correlated with your outcome. So if you were to just get rid of the other 99 features in the algorithm and you just train a model with that one input, that one strong one, then it would be an 80% accurate algorithm. So far, so good.
0: So far, so good.
1: Okay. So now imagine that you're including those other 99, and together they are weakly correlated with the outcome of interest. So maybe the the other 99% of them together they give you another 10% uh, on top of the 80% you already have. So if okay. you include all of those, um, if you include all of those features, then Uh, You can get something that's up to 90% accurate. And so that's where you can um, get a little bit more accuracy out of your algorithm by including more data, basically including more features in the data that you have. So that's kind of the setup. And so now the thought exercise is let's take those weakly correlated features and start to think about ways that they could be kind of pathologically undermining the signal that we're getting from the smaller number of Kind of strong, robust features. So maybe now instead of that strong, robust feature being 80% accurate, maybe it's 20% or 30% correlated, which is still a lot that you could get 20% or 30% of the way there with just a single variable. But if all of the other features start to pull the model in some other direction together, then you can see how even though each one of them might not be that different from what it looked like if it were just random noise, or if it were, you know, gently pulling it in the other direction, you can make small changes to each one of them. But because there's a whole bunch of them, they can start to pull your model in weird ways that now you can see how in the first case, you had a model with just the one input feature that was probably pretty robust, but not as accurate when you didn't include all of those extra features. Now you included those extra features for some accuracy, but they've opened you up to, to some manipulation and potentially to, uh, those are the features that an adversarial example could take advantage of.
0: Interesting. Okay. So all of these weak features might all get tweaked. So they're pulling in the same direction, almost like pulling opposite the strong feature.
1: Yeah, so now we're starting to get into the terrain that's covered by the second paper, which is called "Adversarial Examples Are Not Bugs; They Are Features," which is a little bit of a pun on the idea of like something being a feature versus a bug. You have this this that's kind of like a notion in software engineering, right? Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. That's definitely true. When you get a bug report, you say, "No, no, no, that's a feature." That's and that's and that's just a way. Of, it's a way of dismissing whatever yeah. work it means you have to do.
1: You're like oh you you say that it deletes all of the input on your web form when you enter a special character that's that's a that's not a bug that's a feature
0: yeah, it's a feature it, you're welcome it, it deletes all of the mistakes you might have made when you exactly. were typing <laughs> exactly
1: exactly um, so in this second paper adversarial examples are not bugs they're features so this is starting to really pull on the notion of uh, maybe the adversarial vulnerability of an algorithm is I mean the assumption or maybe one of the, the ways that we've been talking about these models as a field has been that the models themselves are vulnerable to adversarial examples. And in some ways, I think that will always be true in a certain way of thinking about it. Yeah, But this second paper starts to, at least for me, turn on the light that maybe it's more adversarial vulnerability is more of an attribute of the data set that you learn on than oh. the actual model itself or the modeling task that you're asked to do.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess because the algorithm that you do, I guess, and maybe maybe you have a different perspective on this because you're actually in the field. But when I think about an ML model, I'm thinking about the, the model itself, not the data it was trained on. But a trained model is kind of a reduction of the data. In yeah, some it's like way. a
1: lossy compression of the
0: data. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lossy compression of the data. Um, it's so. It, and actually, that's interesting. I, I did, I recorded my voice for, uh, for a speech recognition product at some point, and then I was kind of musing on how, my voice makes up a, a part of the model, even though you can never pull it back out. It's it's kind of cool that the data becomes the model in a way. Um, yeah. So of course you'll have the model itself and then you'll have the data. And that's kind of a nice uh, a nice shift to think that maybe it's not just the model as we think of it, but it's uh vulnerability, I guess, that you get from the data that you train on.
1: Yeah. And in particular, like the interaction of the type of model with the data that you have. So top line conclusion, I think from this paper is that, um, adversarial vulner or the the thesis, let's say, is the adversarial vulnerability they think is a direct result of the um, the sensitivity of the models to what they call well generalizing features in the data. So well generalizing here is a very particular notion, and it's a little bit subtle. I'm going to try to explain it. So first, you have the notion of features that are useful. So useful features are ones that when you put them into the model, they move you toward the correct classification label. Like they're right. okay. correlated with the with the the true outcome and how correlated they are is something that you can quantify and, and that sort of thing. So that's the notion of a feature that's useful. It's a feature that your algorithm basically can take advantage of to get the right answer. And then there's this notion of robust features. So a robust feature is one that you can... Perturb that feature by some amount, and have it still remain useful.
0: So oh. even
1: when you fiddle with it, it still remains useful. That's the that's the notion of robustness here, in kind of a mathematical sense.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and so it's like how
1: much so. how much do you want to perturb it by? You know, that kind of quantifies how robust it is, and that sort of thing.
0: I see. I think something just clicked for me.
1: Uh, oh, what just clicked?
0: So. At at the top of the episode, we are kind of talking about robustness potentially being at odds with accuracy, right? Uh huh. Um, and maybe in some cases, you'll have a feature that is both. Uh, what did you call it? Useful. Yeah. That is both very useful and also very very um, robust. Yeah. But a lot of times, you'll have uh, a feature that is useful but not so robust. Yeah. And then another feature that's very robust, but not, not as useful, still useful, but not as useful. Yeah. And that so if was, you want to make... I
1: have, I have a little, like three bullet points here in my notes to myself and you just, I gave you the first two and you just recited <laughs> the third awesome. one to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess then the conclusion, I guess, of my thought is if you want to make your model more robust, then you need to more heavily prioritize the features that are more robust. Which means that you will be less heavily prioritizing the features that are useful but maybe a bit more fragile, and therefore your model gets a little bit less accurate but much more robust.
1: Yep, yep. And wow, so I want it. Yeah, cool, right? That's really um, cool. <laughs> and so I think you know this is the, we're still in the early days here. This is I thought these were some pretty cool ideas, but I know a lot of people are. um Researching this, so I don't mean to represent this as like the only thing that there is to think about on yeah. adversarial models. But yeah, so then there's just to bring it all the way back, there's this notion of features that are there, they generalize well. So they will actually help the model uh, increase its accuracy. But just as you said, they might not be very robust. And so then you have to, as a, a machine learning person, because an algorithm doesn't necessarily know at the outset which features it's quote-unquote supposed to pay attention to. Um, right. You just kind of like shove in all the data and let it sort it out. Uh, so it doesn't know that there are some, some features that might be a little bit more, might be more vulnerable to than, than other ones, or that might be a little bit more perturbable. And then just to reemphasize again, the, the point of the second paper is that depending on exactly what algorithm you have, of course, it can be more or less susceptible to learning from those features. So if you have algorithms that are trying to find very small differences in the data, you allow it to get, I don't know, very, you know, minute differences and learn from those, or uh, you're allowing it to incorporate all of the data rather than applying some Penalties for uh, model complexity; those kinds of things. Then, especially in those situations where you have these adversarial, or you have these kind of adversarially primed data sets going into those kinds of algorithms, that might be the territory where you start to see this stuff happen.
0: That is a very, very cool idea. I so, think it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah it it feels like it feels like it makes sense. Of course, with these kinds of things. Just because it feels like it makes sense doesn't mean that, therefore, that, it's that the is the... Yeah, right. But it seems like if this is indeed at least part of the story and, and true, then that almost calls for a shift in the way that we evaluate and train our models. Because I guess I've always thought about training models as you, you give it a bunch of data and you have some sort of reward function and the reward function is just looking at how accurate was the prediction was the model right or wrong or closer to right or closer to wrong but nowhere in there is it saying is this uh, a result that will hold up if you tweak the the input data a little bit or, or tweak it this way or that way and so it seems like you can come up with more resilient models if you are optimizing for during the training process, if you're looking at not just the accuracy to train your model, but also the um, resiliency.
1: Yeah, and we sort of have this notion. I think that's kind of what regularized models are. So regularized models are ones that penalize you for using more features of the data in your model. So it's, it's penalizing complexity a little bit more than it's penalizing susceptibility to, to robustness. Uh, Adversarial examples, but I think they're similar ideas. Hmm. I think one thing, just as an aside, and I think at some point maybe this should just be its own episode because we certainly don't have time to go into it in all its details, is one thing that does not particularly protect you here is building explainable models, or at least hypothetically, it can't truly protect you. Like maybe in most cases, building a model and then Asking it, like, okay, what pixels are you using to decide that this is a cat? And it, you know, does it tell you something that looks like, sort of like what a cat looks like? So that's that's an example of an explainable model. And there's a lot of work out there right now into making not just computer vision models, but models in general, much more explainable. And there's another uh, paper that is on my my list to read about how those explanations themselves, like a lot of them are um, algorithmically generated and a lot of the explanations themselves can be adversarially attacked so that you have an explanation. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a good explanation, which is maybe like I didn't give you a loan for all of these quote unquote legitimate reasons. And then there's a bad explanation, which is like I have a racist algorithm and you can Uh take predictions that are made by the racist algorithm and like, or explanations of those um, predictions and like tweak them ever so much. And then they look totally benign. Anyway, topic for another wow. day. But the point is, Whoa. if you want to go all the way down to the bottom of the rabbit hole and say like, oh, well, I'll just ask my model what features it's learning on. And then it will tell me and I'll decide if that's okay or not. Like that won't necessarily save you, which is like a Honestly, whole other box of snakes.
0: Yeah, you, you talk about the rabbit hole. it It really feels like, this is the kind of thing that could have no bottom, like turtles all the way down, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that we've found the bottom yet. I mean, we just discovered adversarial examples, really, like in the modern sense, in the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, I think the question is just whether we figure out what's going on with them and how to, if there's a way to guard against them before we destroy each other with them. So, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we figure this out soon, because there's all kinds of stuff that it's going to get really tricky if we don't get this hammered out based on how quickly people are adopting this stuff.
0: Yeah, this is an important problem.
1: Anyway, so with that uh, happy thought, <laughs> you want to call it a day?
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah, let's let's wrap this episode. Um, yeah, sleep well, everyone.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, there's uh, a couple papers we will link to here that we we referenced about uh you know, features not bugs and uh robustness versus accuracy. There's also a discussion on um distill.pub, which is kind of one of my favorite sites to wander over to every once in a while. It's a really good machine learning website where they did a discussion. A bunch of people um who are experts in this sort of stuff read and discussed the uh features versus bugs article and then talk amongst themselves about what they make of it so i think that's actually a really cool accompanying piece that you're not just getting the paper but like some responses to the paper and then uh last we will hopefully come back to it in a future episode that thing about adversarial explanations but in the meantime i will put a link to that paper on linear digressions.com too so that should keep you all busy for a little while
0: you can tweet us at LynnDigressions. Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.